Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Welcome in, everybody. Episode three. Assuming America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, January 28th, 2021, people. And glory, glory, hallelujah. Uh, I actually sound like a normal human being again. So first of all, I want to go back and apologize for what Wednesday's show was and what it sounded like. I don't even know what it was the equivalent of. It was basically like the the Vanderbilt football of podcasts. I mean, it was an abomination. I went back and listened. I know how frustrating it was for you guys to listen to, and so I appreciate you gritting through it. I believe I have all my technical difficulties figured out. By the way, funny story, um, there was no problem with the equipment that I had. It was just one thing had clicked the wrong button, and I tried every other button except for that one. But for the foreseeable future, hopefully there are no technical issues. I do want to apologize because that episode on Wednesday was abysmal. But we're ready to move on. We're not here to talk about the past. We are ready to look forward. And boy, oh boy, do I have a great episode for you today. I'm just going to be honest. You know, I don't know who created the term, we're here for a good time, not a long time. But I think that is what Thursday's episode is going to be. There was not a ton that happened in college hoops on Wednesday night. And so because of it, it's going to be a very quick in and out episode. And this is what the rundown is going to be. I'm going to talk about Tennessee's uh, football coaching search that resulted in Josh Heupel being named the head coach. Not going to lie, didn't love it, but guess what? Doesn't matter. He's the head coach. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk why it might work, why it might not work, what my concerns are, all that stuff. And then after that, how about this? We have an all-time guest for the Aratora Sports Podcast, an all-time guest, Marshawn Lynch, beast mode is joining the Aratora Sports Podcast. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and say, how do, how do I end up with these guests? But Marshawn Lynch joins me. He's actually doing a really cool campaign with Subway. Subway reached out to me, wanted me to be a part of it. So we talk about his campaign. 
But we also talk a lot about a lot of fun stuff in uh, Marshawn Lynch's career. We talk about that Beast Quake uh, run that he had against New Orleans, which is now 10 years old. Funny story from Cal. Uh, and I'll just say this. Marshawn Lynch was awesome, man. He was about as good of a guy as, as I could have imagined. Very personable. I love talking to him. The one thing I will say, by the way, if you want to listen to that interview, and you do not want your children or your husband or your wife or your grandma to hear profanity, this might be the one that you, you, you save for, for yourself. It's only about a 15-minute interview, but Marshawn Lynch does not hesitate to use words that maybe uh, you wouldn't be saying in church around your grandma. So great interview with Marshawn Lynch coming up. Uh, before that, we will talk Tennessee football, but I'm telling you, man, this Marshawn Lynch interview was awesome, and I will say this too. We got two or three great guests coming up here over the next week or so, so I encourage you uh, to just be following the Aratora Sports Podcast. Even if you don't like college basketball, even if you don't like college football, we're going to have a couple fun guests that I do think that you will enjoy over the coming weeks. Before we get to Marshawn Lynch, I want to remind you very, very quickly Please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you're listening to Aaron to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, make sure that you are subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. It really does help us move up those iTunes charts. I know I've said it the last few episodes again with the awful, awful, awful uh, sound quality, but uh, I appreciate those of you who have left ratings and reviews. It really does help. And of course, if you're not following on social media, make sure you're finding me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Find me on YouTube. Find me on Facebook. Uh, basically, find me wherever. A lot of Torres to go around, but I'm on all the social media platforms, and I do appreciate all of your support. Uh, and with that said, people, there is no more time to waste. Let's get into it. It's kind of crazy because when I released Wednesday's episode, which again, for people who are kind of fast forwarded through the beginning, I do apologize for how awful it sounded. I went back and listened. It was abysmal. We're hoping that it never gets that bad again. Um, but as soon, literally the second that I push send, uh, I, I go on social media and I don't generally go on social media in the mornings just because whatever, I need to start my day with some positivity. But I go on social media and bing, bang, boom, Tennessee has a new football coach. So I'm wiping the, the crust out of my eyes at about 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern time. And Tennessee has a new head football coach. It is Josh Heupel from Central Florida, who has, of course, followed uh, his AD, Danny White, who was also at Central Florida. And my immediate reaction, I'm just going to tell you my immediate reaction, then we'll work backwards from there. But my immediate reaction was, remember when your parents always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all? That was kind of how I felt as soon as I saw this this uh, UCF or this UCF this Tennessee hire of UCF's head coach Josh Heupel. I'll just say uh, we're going to get into all the details in a minute, but I didn't love it. Okay, and so let's get into it. And before I do, like like I do have to in some degrees defend Danny White, the new Tennessee AD, uh, and of course Tennessee as well in terms of this hire. And I think when you look at the hire, there are a few things that you have to consider in terms of why this could be a positive hire. I think the first thing is you have to question who actually wanted this job. Now, I've heard differing things about who was interested, who wasn't. 
I was told that Jamie Chadwell, the Coastal Carolina head coach, was actually very interested in this job. He is from Tennessee, from the Knoxville area. But the bottom line is what I will say is we don't actually know who was genuinely interested in this job, who wasn't, who was willing to take it, who was going to potentially leave either a sitting head coaching job or a good coordinator job, maybe come down from the NFL. Bottom line is we had no idea who was actually interested in this job. And so it's hard to really kind of um, you know, kind of figure out, is this a good hire or a bad hire? Because again, we just don't know who was interested because of all of the things that I've talked about on previous shows. We understand that Tennessee is about to get hit with major, we believe because the school president said it, major NCAA rules violations. And so because of it, as I've told you many, many, many times, and again, this is a place where me having a college football and college basketball background works out well. Um, but, you know, we don't know what the future of Tennessee football is, and I bring up the college basketball stuff because there are college basketball programs that got popped by the FBI in 2017 that still do not know what their what their issues are with the NCAA and what is next for their football for, for their basketball programs. And so when you look at Tennessee, they are looking at a situation where they are at the very beginning stages of an NCAA investigation. And this could trickle into not only next year, not only the year after, but we're talking three, four, five years down the road. And so because of it, it's hard to know who was interested in this job. And when you actually just kind of look at the hire on the most basic level, um, relative to what some other SEC schools have done lately, it's actually, I guess, not terrible, right? Um, you know, South Carolina hired Shane Beamer, who has never been a head coach anywhere this offseason. Vandy hired Clark Leah, who has never been a head coach anywhere this offseason. Um, you know, you look across the league, Sam Pittman, who was awesome, by the way. I'm not saying these hires are good hires or bad hires. I'm just stating facts. Sam Pittman had never been a head coach when he was hired at Arkansas last offseason. Take it a step further. Eli Drinkwitz from Missouri. He had been a head coach for one season before he was hired at, at Missouri. He had a ton of success this year. Sam Pittman had a ton of success this year. So when you just look at this hire, first of all, without knowing who was actually interested and who wasn't, when you look at this hire relative to what other SEC schools have done, it's not necessarily terrible. And so that is what I think most Tennessee fans are kind of holding on to is that, hey, we got major NCAA rules violations coming, uh, and you look at the rest of the hires across this league, and there haven't been like a ton of like home run, knock them out, no doubt about them hires over the last two, three, four years. Now, there have been some, Mike Leach at Mississippi State, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Um, you know, I, I think the comparison with Brian Harson at Auburn is a little bit unfair because Brian Harson had had a little bit more sustained success uh, at Boise State before he decided to come over to Auburn. But the point remains is that when you look at the hires across the SEC, this thing really isn't that bad. And then I think finally, the thing that at least Tennessee fans can wrap their head around is Josh Heupel will bring an interesting offense to Knoxville, okay? And I have, I will be critical, I have been critical of this hire, but the one thing you can't deny is that that guy knows how to put up points, okay? I mean, this was a team that if you watch them this year, and I watched a ton of Central Florida, one because I bet on them a lot, but 
Um, this was a team that finished second in the country in total offense, almost 560 yards per game, also scored over 42 points per game. I mean, this was a fun, explosive, dynamic offense. And for people who have not seen them, they play fast. They run a lot of plays. They, they, they're very, very, very dynamic. And I will say in defense of this hire, um, at the very least, Tennessee, which has been archaic and boring on offense under Jeremy Pruitt will not be that way anymore the days of playing three quarterbacks in one game against Vanderbilt a game that I watched those days are over Josh Heupel will find a QB and that QB will put up stats in this system and I will also say and finally this is the last thing I'll do to defend the hire because I actually don't like it but I want to be fair about it Uh, I do think they're going to be able to recruit dynamic offensive skill players I think when you look at this transfer portal era that we live in, you know, with high school players, it's different. But when you're talking about uh, third, fourth, fifth year college players, a lot of them just want to go to a place that they'll be showcased where they can put up good stats for the NFL. And I do think that offensively, Tennessee now will provide a good opportunity for those wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, quarterbacks uh, that want a place to showcase themselves at the highest level. So those are the reasons that I think it's okay to be excited if you're a Tennessee fan. On the flip side, I have to go back to what I said a minute ago. When I first saw this hire, I wasn't all that excited. I'm still not all that excited, and it's for a number of different reasons. First of all, I think that that the, the easy overarching thing of like, oh, well, he won really big at the group of five level. Well, I think that's a little bit misleading, right? I mean, obviously, we all know, I think most people know, Scott Frost, the current Nebraska coach who is having his own problems for what it's worth. Um, Scott Frost was there before him. He went 13-0 the year before Josh Heupel was there, and they had a loaded roster. So when Josh Heupel got there, UCF was coming off a 13-0 season. It was a program that had had a ton of success, a program that had an infrastructure and a culture of winning in place. And they also had a lot of good football players. Uh, Mackenzie Milton was a returning starter at quarterback who was really good until he had an unfortunate, really scary injury that he has not since recovered from. He, uh, he's finally looking like he's going to play next year. He transferred to Florida State. Um, and overall, that first team that Josh Heupel had at Central Florida had five guys drafted to go to the NFL. Five guys drafted off of that roster to the NFL off of Josh Heupel's first team. So I bring this up to say that to say like, oh, Josh Heupel comes from a really successful group of five program. Well, he inherited a lot of talent. Speaking of that group of five program, uh, I do think it's worth noting they've kind of progressively gotten worse every single year under Josh Heupel. They went 12-1 and the first year, went to the Fiesta Bowl, Second year, they went 10-3, and three, still respectable. This year, they went 6-4. and four. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, it's a COVID year, it's a weird year, it's this, it's that, it's, it's whatever. I'm just telling you, every single year he was there, the win total went down. How much of it is that he's a great coach? How much of it is that he inherited a really successful infrastructure and was not only not able to build on it, he wasn't even able to maintain it? Beyond that, for all the excitement about the offense... Don't know how much you paid attention. Central Florida really wasn't that good anywhere else. Uh, First of all, they gave up 33 points a game. And they finished 123rd nationally out of 127 teams in total defense. 
didn't really make all that many stops at Central Florida this past year. Now, maybe it gets helped. I know Kevin Steele is, in theory, uh, a holdover from Jeremy Pruitt's staff. He's the former Auburn defensive coordinator. Maybe he stays. By the way, just warning you, Josh Heupel, guy might start to stab you in the back, but... The point being is maybe the off, maybe the defense gets a little bit improved, but I think to just talk about how exciting Josh Heupel's offense is, is to, you also have to kind of contextualize it and say like, wait a second now, hold up. Um, the offense was really good because the, they had to be because the defense couldn't stop anybody. Here is my bigger issue with Josh Heupel, by the way. I watched all those Central Florida games. Guys, you can say what you want about Torres. I'm right, I'm wrong, I say dumb stuff all the time. But you know I watched the games. And the one thing that stood out to me about Central Florida this past year more than anything, they were completely undisciplined. And I thought I was crazy, and I thought, you know, is that something I just noticed? Is that actually accurate? Yeah, well, I looked it up. They finished 125th out of 127 teams in penalties per game. And the only two teams that finished behind them were MAC teams that basically played three, four, five games. So you're talking about teams that played a full, complete season. They were the most penalized team in college football. So you could talk about the offense is good, the defense is bad, this, that. Penalties are simply about, uh, um, penalties are strictly about uh, preparation, coaching, discipline, things that have to happen behind the scenes. And so when everybody talks about, oh, Josh Heupel, he built this, no. He inherited something good. He maintained it to a degree. But I'm just going to tell you right now, flat out, um, you know, like I'm just not sold that in the bigger picture that there was that good of an infrastructure in Central Florida, which is maybe why he decided to leave. But beyond that, where my real frustration is with this hire is, you know, it, it goes to, I think, the ethos of where Tennessee football has been, where it is. And I think it does, to a degree, go back to the Greg Schiano stuff. And I, I'm not comparing it to Greg Schiano. I'm not saying it's the exact same thing. But what was the frustration with Greg Schiano? If you go back to that moment in time, it felt like, it didn't feel like, it happened. Was that, and I said this at the time, I don't think it was wrong for Tennessee to hire Greg Schiano. I thought it was wrong for Tennessee to hire Greg Schiano without interviewing other candidates. In other words, if you interview everybody, if you interview at the time, it was Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State and Mike Leach, who was at Washington State at the time, you interview all these guys and none of them want the job, then yeah, you go get Greg Schiano. But my problem with that Greg Schiano hire from the beginning was that it felt like the entire hiring process was hijacked and that Greg Schiano was going to get the job no matter what, and there wasn't even a real coaching search that came with it. That's kind of my problem with this coaching hire of Josh Heupel. For the record, I, I will say, I was the guy that two, three, four days ago said, hey, I like the AD hire of Central Florida's Danny White. I like how creative and outside the box some of his hires have been. He hired Nate Oates at Buffalo. He hired Scott Frost at Central Florida. He hired Josh Heupel at Central Florida. But this feels like Greg Schiano 2.0. Not that Josh Heupel isn't a quality candidate, but for Danny White to be hired on Friday afternoon is the introductory press conference and to essentially hire Josh Heupel, the coach that worked for him over the last three years on Tuesday night, less than 96 hours away, it feels like a little nepotism. 
I'm not saying that Josh Heupel was the best or worst candidate or not qualified for this job. What I am saying, though, is that it kind of feels like Greg Schiano 2.0 from the perspective that it didn't feel like there was a real coaching search, that the AD came in, had the job, and maybe went through a few sham interviews. And look, I understand there were some names out there that weren't realistic. There was a minute where James Franklin's name was floating around the Penn State head coach. He wasn't coming to Tennessee. P.J. Fleck from Minnesota, he wasn't coming to Tennessee. But again, I mentioned a minute ago, I was told Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina really wanted this job. I was told, um, you know, there were some other people that were interested that, that got, if they even got interviews at all, they were very cursory and like, eh, you know, yeah, we'll give you a call. We'll be in touch. We'll have our people call your people. And it didn't really happen. And it felt like Danny White had his guy the whole time. Now, again, maybe Josh Heupel's the right guy, but it feels like a little nepotism and it feels like another coaching search that was hijacked by outside influences. That's what happened with Greg Schiano. That's what it feels like here. Not that Josh Heupel isn't going to be the, uh, a good candidate down the road, and I'm not sure that he will be, but that it just feels like there wasn't a real search done. Can you really vet all the candidates that you want to vet in a less than three-day period? Again, Danny White got hired on Friday. This guy was hired Tuesday night. That's Saturday, Sunday, Monday to essentially do interviews with everybody and figure out uh, who is actually interested in the job. Oh, by the way, how about the fact that Tennessee paid a coaching uh, uh, a search firm $120,000 to do what? You hire this guy on Thursday and Friday. He hires the guy that he was working with for the last three years. What would you pay a search firm for? So I understand the frustration of Tennessee fans. Tennessee fans, it's funny, right? I'll give you, I'll give you a quick kind of side example of, of what I'm talking about. And it's not an apples-to-apples apples thing, but I think it's worth comparison's sake. I was texting with my buddy, um, Gabe Bach, who is a reporter who covers Texas A&M. Great guy. Have to have him on the show sometime. And I do a show every Thursday. And I was texting him. I said, man watching the way that Tennessee just pulled a B-minus higher out of their hat, it makes me appreciate what Texas A&M did with, uh, with Jimbo Fisher. I almost called him Gilbert Fisher. With Jimbo Fisher that much more. Because Texas A&M, their boosters, their whatever, everybody was in line. They pooled all their money. They took all their dollar bills. It was almost like a, a whatever. Put all their dollar bills in a cup, and they said, okay, go get our guy. And the, when, when Texas A&M opened up two, three years ago, whatever it was, the sole goal, go get a national championship caliber coach. We do not care what we have to pay. It does not matter. We've seen that in other places. Florida, they went after a couple big names. They ended up with Dan Mullen, but frankly, Dan Mullen was probably the best candidate. Remember, they went after Scott Frost from Central Florida. They went after Chip Kelly, who ended up at UCLA. Dan Mullen was probably the best candidate, but Florida was just like, dude, we're going to get the best football coach. It's not about this. It's not about that. We're not going to do this. We're not going to bring in this guy who's connected to that. No, we're just going to go get the best football coach. They did it with Dan Mullen. There's other examples like that throughout the SEC. I give credit to Ole Miss. Went out, hired a sexy name in Lane Kiffin, Mississippi State, which I hate to say it. I'm sorry if we have any Mississippi State fans who listen. Your program was essentially irrelevant for the past 50 years before Dan Mullen got there. You went and got a sitting head coach in Mike Leach who has had multiple 10-win seasons. 
And so I understand the frustration of a Tennessee fan, not that they feel like we should be able to get Mike Leach or we should be able to get Jimbo Fisher, but it's like, can you just give us a real coaching search where it feels like we did the due diligence and we went after all the guys that were actually interested in this job? And so again, I know I'm rambling and yelling and screaming, but like I do understand the frustration of Tennessee fans and maybe Josh Hype will be good. Like I said, at the very least, I will give him credit. His offenses will be fun to watch. They will be super dynamic. Now, can they get stops? That's another question. It might be, ironically, Lane Kiffin 2.0 in terms of uh, you know the ability to get stops and make plays. But the issue isn't even really with Josh Heupel. It was how the hire went down. To hire Central Florida's AD on Friday and for that AD to claim three days later that he went through this diligent, crazy coaching search that ended with him hiring the same guy that he's worked with the last three years, sorry, we're not buying it, or at least I'm not buying it. And we have a lot of Tennessee fans who listen to this show. Maybe you guys completely disagree with me. I don't know. I'm just saying it felt like kind of a stage deal. It felt like this was a done deal before uh, you know, the second that Danny White accepted that job. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everybody's going to love Hypel. The other thing with Hypel too, I will say, kind of has a reputation for not being very good with the media. Not sure how that's going to fly in Knoxville where there are literally 200 people covering that team. I mean, I, I do so many Tennessee podcasts and radio shows. Like, Tennessee has a lot of people that cover that team. Good luck to Josh Heupel if you don't like doing the media. I get it. Offense is going to be interesting. Offense is going to be dynamic. I'm just not sold. Uh, all right, I think that's really kind of it for 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 what I want to talk about on today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Obviously, look, I, I you know, uh, there was college hoops on Wednesday. F- a couple of fun games. I mean, Creighton came wild comeback. They beat Seton Hall. They were down 13 points with, I think, six minutes to go, five minutes to go. They come back to win. I uh, do want to give a quick shout out to Mountain West basketball as we head towards February. There's a lot of teams that you need to know as we head towards March. Mountain West might have four teams that are good enough to make the NCAA tournament. Two of them played on Wednesday night, Boise State at Colorado State. Colorado State getting the win. They will play a second game on Friday. If you're sitting around Friday night, that's something to kind of monitor. Uh, Utah State is actually playing UNLV as I record here. And other than that, it's a pretty quiet, uh, you know, it's a pretty quiet a uh, pretty quiet night in college hoops. Obviously, by the way, big weekend in college hoops with the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Um, you know, not not to get too deep into it, but there's a lot of really good games in this thing. Um, you know, I think that the ones that kind of stand out, ironically, we're just talking about Tennessee, but they host Kansas. Those are two teams. Both of them need to find a way to get a win. Kansas on a three-game losing streak. Tennessee had lost two in a row before they held on against Mississippi State. Um, that's an interesting one. Obviously, Texas at Kentucky, there will be no Shaka Smart. Kentucky, I've talked about them enough. They desperately need a win. The games that I'm interested in, I'll be honest, uh, LSU hosting Texas Tech. You talk about two differing styles. Texas Tech, uh, great on defense. Mac McClung, the Georgetown transfer, seems to finally be figuring out. I'll tell you what, you talk about a team that I think is kind of on the fringe of the top 10, top 12, top 15, that I think is a potential Final Four type team, I do think Texas Tech might be it. Uh, They go to LSU. LSU, uh, they're kind of averse to playing defense, kind of not really into it. (laughs) So that should be a fun game. And then obviously the other one is, is Oklahoma. 
coming off back-to-back wins over Kansas and Texas. They now host Alabama, the hottest team in college basketball. Um, And, of course, Oklahoma State hosting Arkansas. A few of you have asked me, as best I know, uh, I think it's a little too early to know whether Cade Cunningham is actually going to play in this game. A lot of good games, by the way. West Virginia hosting Florida as well. That one could get ugly or very interesting from either team's perspective. I would lean West Virginia. Let's do that really quick. Before I get out of here, before I get to Marshawn Lynch, uh, really quick, let's just make pick some winners. Alabama at Oklahoma, I will take Alabama. Arkansas at Oklahoma State, assuming there is no Cade Cunningham, I will take Arkansas. By the way, shout out to Arkansas. They've won three straight, uh, starting to think that their struggles were more about missing Justin Smith, their star forward, who was out for three or four games with an injury. Auburn at Baylor, that's another one. There's so many good games. I definitely lean Baylor. That's one where there's a lot of Sharif Cooper versus Jared Butler and the the Baylor Bears hype. I think Baylor's going to take care of uh, Sharif Cooper, no problem. Florida at West Virginia, lean West Virginia there. Texas at Kentucky, I think you know where I'm going there. It's Texas. Uh, Texas Tech at LSU, probably take Texas Tech. Iowa State at Mississippi State, uh, just don't watch. TCU at Missouri, I'll take Missouri. Kansas at Tennessee, probably lean Tennessee. A&M at Kansas State, definitely an A&M play. All right, I think that is it for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Woo! Had to get a lot off my chest with Josh Heupel. Hate to say it. You know, part of my job isn't being nice. Part of my job isn't kissing butt. Part of my job is being completely honest, uh, and that is what I I did and what I am going to continue to do. Uh, you love me, you hate me, but the one thing ba- one thing about me is I think you know I always tell it the way that I feel it, and uh, I'm just not crazy about this Josh Heupel hire. So let's get out of here before we do. Want to remind everybody, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, uh, YouTube. You can find me on there. Of course, Facebook as well. But yeah, that's, uh, that's I think, just about it for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Marshawn Lynch coming up. Uh, really fun interview. I think you'll like it. It was through Zoom, so the sound quality is a little bit different, but I promise it can't be worse than Wednesday's episode. Again, thank you guys for dealing with the sound issues from these last couple episodes. Hopefully, we have it figured out. Hopefully, it won't be an issue going forward. Uh, and Before we get to Marshawn Lynch, I do want to remind you a um, couple things. First of all, please make sure you're subscribed iTunes. Oh, I already said all that. Uh, I What I wanted to remind you about was make sure to remember Marshawn Lynch. There's some language in there. I'm just warning you, mom and dad. Uh, there's some language in there to be wary of, but it's a really fun interview and I do think you'll enjoy it. Uh, but that is all for today's show. Shout, well, all for today for that segment of today's show. So shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Uh, please, Listen responsibly to the Marshawn Lynch segment, but it is a fun one, but I do think you'll enjoy it. Here is five-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, and frankly, one of the all-time gets by your boy Torres. Here is Marshawn Lynch. All right, joining me via Zoom, um, just an absolute pleasure, man. Pro Bowler, NFL icon, 
Uh, you're here on behalf of Subway, but you do a lot of different stuff. Marshawn Lynch, my man, what's going on? I can't call it big dog. It's your world. I'm just sitting right now rocking for a minute. Well, listen, it's your world. And I was going to ask you, we were talking a little bit before we started recording here. You have done a lot of interviews today. and We're going to talk about why you're here, Subway, all that good stuff in a minute. Uh, is there one really bad question that you've been asked that I shouldn't ask? Is, is, is anything gone wrong? I just want to avoid it uh, as we go forward here these next few minutes. Nah, man, they've been pretty chill, man. And you feel me? I, I feel I conduct myself in a way that if it get out of hand or something that ain't what it is, I'll just put the ball back in your court and see what you do with it. Very good. Is there is there any question that you wanted to be asked that you weren't asked yet? You said a quick uh, that I haven't been asked. Yeah. A question that I haven't been asked. Yeah, I mean, because everybody been introducing me and everything, but ain't nobody asked, like, you know who we got today? Where I was able to tell them who they had, you know? Oh. Like, yeah, my own introduction type shit. You feel me? Well, I'll tell you what. What I can do is I can edit this part out when we do the interview. So I'm going to start this interview over, okay? And we'll do it that <laughs> no, way. You gotta do that. <laughs> well, let's do it. Let's do it. It's all, no, it's all good. <laughs> All right. But I mean, I, I told you it's your world. So however you're right. going to rock, I told you I'm rocking with you. So I got you for the time being. You got me for the time being. All right, man. Well, we only got a few minutes. So first of all, I want to get to some football actual stuff. But I also I do want to start with your commitment to Subway here. Um, and I know you probably don't know much about me, but I'm somebody over the last probably five, six months really fought for high school and college football. You know, I was a high school football player myself. Not very good. Not like you. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of kids that, that are counting on high school football to get to college, maybe college kids hoping to get to the NFL. I know you and Subway are both working really hard to give some of those kids opportunities. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, man, the main thing is that, uh, you know, Subway has this great opportunity right now with the uh, Subway, uh, Subway Protein Award where, you know, we're giving a you know, some kids an opportunity to go ahead and win a scholarship, you know, to be able to help out with, you know, them not being able to, you know, showcase their talents at this time with the pandemic going on and the opportunity, what I feel, an opportunity for them to be, for them being seen, um, you know, just on this mass level of, uh, of uh, 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 socials to get out there and, you know, possibly have the, you know, the chance of being seen by, you know, someone who normally they wouldn't, they wouldn't actually, uh, you know, be seen by. But I really feel it's a great opportunity the way that, you know, Subway has uh, uh, has put this together and, you know, been able to rock with, um, you know, with the teens. And, you know, they seeing the, they seeing the, 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 you know, the lack of, you know, these kids being able to, you know, get out there and, uh, you know, show what they got. So, uh, you know, by Subway, you know, creating this, uh, you know, giving them an opportunity, you know, to showcase their talent. You know, it's a, it's a real big, uh, a real big uh, opportunity for them. And I mean, you know, I just wish, you know, uh, the kids that really need it, you know, and that's, you know, has submitted uh, some of the videos already, you know, capitalize on this opportunity. Yeah, and so people can go to subway.com slash protein, P-R-O-T-E-E-N, uh, submit videos of them, their friends, their son, uh, whatever. Let me ask you a dumb question. I know obviously you were a really successful high school player, what would it have meant to you if your senior year was disrupted? Maybe you would have gone to Cal, everything would have been good, but what about teammates, friends, all that stuff? Because like I said, man, I don't think people realize how important high school football is to the community, to young people, all that kind of stuff. 
Well, you know what? That's crazy. You say that because in actuality and reality, I wasn't even the best player in my uh <laughs> really? in my in my area in my area. You feel me? Uh, I wasn't the leading rusher in my senior year in our uh, in our division, and I mean, wow. you know, it is just really just came down to uh, you know me maximizing the opportunities that I had in order to you know get the position that uh position that I was in so I think just at that point in time just one of the other running backs that I know that was doing that thing at this uh at this time just uh I think would have been a great opportunity for him alone because I mean at that time I don't feel our uh our coaches knew too much about you know all of the requirements into you know that the kids had to have whether it was clearinghouse uh you know how, what was a GPA versus a, a SAT you know, I don't, I don't think they just knew the whole ramifications of what was going on. And, you know, I think it it kind of, you know, held back a lot of the kids in uh, in our area. But, you know, if something like this was out there, especially if we had the social media and all of that, like being able to, you know, be able to upload some of the videos, there's no telling who would have been able to see it. And I mean, you know, at that point in time, if, if you know, if Cal thought I was good enough to come and play over there, uh, you know, it's no telling what, you know, another school would have uh, would have thought as well. And then, you know, for my, uh, you know, other players at, you know, some of the other schools, like for them as well, like, you know, I just I just really believe that it's a it's a good opportunity, especially especially for kids in, uh, in hood neighborhoods that, you know, what I mean, don't feel that they have the opportunities that a lot of these other kids have at some of these other schools. Uh, you know, that get fucking recruiters that come up there on a daily. So, I mean, you know, it yeah. give a, a sense of, and then, I mean, you know, with this pandemic shit and how, you know, the communication going to where, you know, if those, if those scouts or those schools are, you know, scared to come into those neighborhoods, they could have just picked up the phone, did a Zoom call, like, yeah, we probably not going <laughs> to come that way, but look, we done set up yep. uh, a way for you and your parents to come on out here and we'll show you around the school. And, you know, hopefully you like it type shit, but no, we're not coming over to open. So, you Ooh, know, yeah. I mean, and it, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of hard to get recruiters to come out, you know, to open, sure. uh, you know, for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, just, just, you know, that opportunity that we had planned, uh, you know, that would, that brought recruiters around, you know, for a minute. And uh, I would say like after, uh, after I had went to Cal and maybe from Oakland alone, there were maybe three or four more athletes within two years of me, you know, coming to Cal. Uh, really? That they start, yeah, that they start coming to Oakland to actually recruit kids out of Oakland. So, so you know, with that. No, I was going to say, so I did want to ask you, I mean, I was looking through some highlights today, just prepping for this interview. So I got to officially transition to uh, story time with beast mode here. And I was watching when you were at Cal, can you give everyone the backstory on when you took the golf cart? Cause that was one I Google Marshawn Lynch. That was the first one that came up. <laughs> I did. I mean, it's the truth. See, look, man, it's it's a whole lot that go into that, man. But to, <laughs> but to keep the but to keep the but to keep the story straight to the point, you feel me? What happened was at the time of linebacker Desmond Bishop, he wore number ten as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I when I when I when I look at it and they like, oh well, you know, Desmond Bishop is on the cart, 
And it's like, no, nah, that ain't this bishop. That's more. Oh no, that's more shy. But because me and him both, me and him both wore number ten, so he had just got an interception that uh that uh clinched the game for us in overtime against U Dub, and he, I'm I'm thinking he gonna score, but he ran out of gas, and you could just <laughs> see him dying like, like he about to pass out, and I mean he running. And I'm like, bro, he about to pass the fuck out. And then he did. <laughs> he fell right there, probably on like the, I say like maybe the maybe the, the 30 or the 20 yard line, but he picked off from from the uh from the opposite 20 or the 30. So I'm like, oh damn, I'm gonna go and pick him up and put him on the cart. Oh, and take I love him to it. the sideline. So I run, I see the keys was in there. I'm like, oh my God, they so I jumped in it and I'm driving over to him. And then by the time I realized it, everybody had rushed the field. Sure. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. So now I'm like, hey, you know what? I ain't gonna make it to him. So now I gotta, all right, I gotta take this cart back. So as I turn around and I'm trying to get back to there, I'm like, oh shit, it's hella people. So now I'm weaving through the people. <laughs> but see though, where we from, we like driving. Sure. So now it's like, Okay, so then it just tri triggered in my mind, like, oh, okay, now I got to get back, but I got to dodge all these people. So I started sliding through that thing, you feel me, and making my way back to the sideline. And, I mean, you know, eventually I did after, you feel me, though, sliding past a couple people, you know what I mean, oh, maneuvering, wow. doing some doing some nifty, uh, some nifty driving and shit, you know what I mean? I got back home base safe. Very good. Uh, last one, because we got we're on a short time. How about the beast quake? I mean, that was some ten years ago, which feels it feels like it was three or four years ago. What are your memories of that? I'm sure you've been asked a million times today, but I got to ask that one too. You said what's that? The beast quake uh, ten years ago, New Orleans Saints playoff game. Uh huh. What do you remember about that? Just busting guys, you know what's or what? Man, I just <laughs> you know what. <laughs> nah, I just remember breathing. I just remember breathing heavy as shit <laughs> and hearing shoulder pads <laughs> and then just hearing all that just <sighs> and then I mean you know I because I, I just got told uh today it was a 10-year anniversary of it. So yep. uh not today but this year. And then you know, as I watch it again, it's like I look at it like, man, that shit ain't real. This was they did this on the last Boy Scout or something. It's like something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like should have been on the last Boy Scout or something. But I don't know. It was it was a real thing, and I mean, it, I mean, you know, just to just you know I mean to be a part of that. Which the biggest thing is, you know, a lot of people would you know what I mean you know say it's a tribute to me and all that. But at the end of the day, the real the real thing about it was, if you go back and you look at that run. And then you pay attention to everything but the the guy running the ball, you'll see crazy shit happening. Like you'll see Mike Williams blocking, and Mike yep. Williams don't block at all. And then you'll see goddamn Matt Hasselback. I call him Mac. I, I, if I called him Hasselback, he'd probably be upset. But then you'll see Matt Castleback running down the sideline trying to get a block. Like, bro, this a quarterback that's fucking 50 yards downfield trying to block a goddamn D lineman. Like, but go sit your ass down. And then you see Tyler Columbus, <laughs> I think, was the who was an offensive lineman who reached the end zone before anybody. Okay. And it's like, how do an offensive lineman hit the end zone before a wide receiver or a running back? 
for that instance. And then you see Obo coming from the whole other side of the field. Like, I mean, you know, it was so much that was going on in that play that I don't think get enough credit to the point where it's like, I mean, you know, not not taking nothing away from, you know, the, the run itself, but, you know, in order to make that motherfucker work, you got to just look at all of the, the shit that was going on besides the actual person that was running the ball. And if you just look at that, then you will probably, if you say you could look at that run a hundred times, then if you look at all the shit that was going on that don't have nothing to do with the run, you're going to be able to watch it maybe a couple more hundred times because it's just amazing to see the work that they was putting in, right. you know what I mean, in order to make that play happen. Yeah, no, I saw it probably three, four, five times this afternoon while I was prepping for this. Marshawn Lynch, do you want to outro yourself? I mean, I didn't let you intro yourself. Do you want uh, to outro yourself? And I will say, man, check it out. God, I was going to say, too, uh, I don't want to put any pressure. So everybody calls me AT. All my listeners call me AT. Uh, if you want to say, you know, I'm just here so AT doesn't get fined. You know, that'd be cool. But you don't know pressure. <laughs> if you think that's stupid, then you just tell me. It's okay. It's your – see, you said nah, it's nah, I, really your world. So, I mean, I got you, big dog. But, look, man, check it out, man. You rocking with your boy AT. And he got IYD in the building, man. Rocking for a short time, not a long time. But, man, I'm going to go ahead and give it back to big dog, let you do your outro and all the shit. But, man, appreciate you having Ice City 400 in the building. Man, shout out to my – what my brother say, shout out to who I'm shouting out. And you know who you is, man. Keep rocking with the family, man. We're going to be on one. See what's happening. My man, Marshawn Lynch, as I said, NFL icon. He's here on behalf of Subway. Subway.com slash protein. Uh, protein. I'll give, I'll, I'll give it before. I'll give it after. Dude, that was awesome, man. I know you got other interviews. Thank you very much for the time. All good, Chief. You be good, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank man. you. All right, guys, have a great afternoon. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.